We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by pioneer Ford Robinvale. It's worth the drive. I turned your microphone off. I've learnt. I'm just saying, is this the start or the finish? (laughs) (laughs) This is the start. Can you, you need to like adjust your seat so you can actually speak, talk into the microphone. (laughs) How about that? Is that better? Yes. Actually, remarkably, it is a little bit. I'm talking into it. It's great. Maybe we, yeah, because you're talking into it. I can't see you. We need to actually, you know what? Network House have applied for a grant to give the whole studio a zhuzh, which oh, includes. How good if we had microphones come from the roof? Well, that's been applied, like all new equipment, like decent microphones, stands, all that kind of thing. <laughs> what are you doing? Things that won't lose, like that's. Oh, that's dropped down. You realise that that's really low. Oh. How about that now? Oh, it's still not great, but whatever. Oh. That's fine. We'll have to replace it at some point. Um, how have you been, Charles? Oh, terrific. I've had a donut or two. Yeah, they're delicious. Mm. Mm. I did get excited, though, when you said you brought in – this is going to sound awful – but you said you brought in donuts from the Italian. I thought you meant your mum had made you some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited. I was probably more excited when I thought Mary had made donuts. Um, then, I did go through there and she had made um, uh, uh, asparagus patties. Oh, stop it. And she goes, oh, take some of these. I said, no, she won't. Just <gasps> won't eat those. Yes, I will. <laughs> I love us. Oh, my God. My dad, I still, I don't think anyone can make them as good as my dad does. But mm. you love the ones that you grew up on, don't you? Yeah. In fact, dad and I are the only ones in our house that eat, eat them. them. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, which is terrific. Because we used to have asparagus that grew wild along the it's, he had a lot of stuff that grew wild in his farm. but It's asparagus time now. <laughs> uh, it is. Costantino's. Is it? I think you can go out there still. I haven't well, been out there for a while, but you can go out there and buy a box. Yeah, there's fresh asparagus, I think, still at Brett's. Yeah. So I go to Brett's once or twice a week to get my meat. Nice. And Strawberries whatever. at Loft too, really good. Yeah. And they're at the Jack as well. Yes. Robin Vale Estate, Olive Grove. I bought, uh, I bought three punnets yesterday. Did you? Ate one on the trip, on the five-minute trip home. In your car? Yeah. <laughs> eating strawberries in your car while you're driving? Yeah, yeah, it's great. And uh, half a punnet for dessert with some ice cream. I'll give you a recipe, Charles, and I'm, I'm going to get it some strawberries this afternoon and make them for myself because Luke doesn't eat balsamic strawberries. Have you ever had balsamic strawberries? I think so. I reckon Kim's done. Yeah, they, it sounds weird, but I'm into weird. Mm. So a well, little bit of sugar. Exhibit A, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> it's not weird. <laughs> He's the normal one in our marriage. <laughs> Little bit of sugar, balsamic vinegar or a balsamic from Robinvale Estate, obviously. Mm. Cut up some strawberries, put it in the pan, toss it through, put it in a bowl with some ice cream, some double cream and some flake on top. Huh. Delicious. I normally just soak them uh, in a bit of Contro. <laughs> I was going to say in some sort of alcohol. Yeah, Contro and sugar, just leave them in there for a bit. Yum. And they go really nicely atop a glass of pink gin and tonic. Just saying. Yeah, like the Gordon's pink gin. has been on special at Aldi recently. I bought a bottle for Sue a couple of weeks ago Yeah, at the Resource Centre. I don't mm. think I've had it. Oh, do yourself a favour. I've been well, having the Broken Hill uh, Fossies gin lately. The gin, the Broken Hill whiskey. They're doing whiskey in Broken no, no, Hill, aren't they? Broken Hill. Fossies are doing a Broken Hill as in hill, not hill. Oh, Broken Hill. Hill. Broken heel. <laughs> uh, and it's good. Anyway. Is it? I need to. Anyway, it's enough plugging them because. They've, yeah, they don't sponsor the show, but Piney really Ford do. Yeah, Piney Ford. They yeah. have heaps of gin down there. Actually, you know what? My car is at Piney Ford at the moment getting a bull bar put on it. Nice. Mm. Good work, Piney Ford. I know. Um, and I think Ben's going to give me the Endura loan car oh, for the yeah. evening because putting a bull bar and driving lights on is a big job. So I think I get to take the Endura for a drive tonight. Nice. Mm. Um, might go frog hunting. Yes. Get the app. Take the kids out. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a moment. Yes. Are you considering commercial development? Fisher Developments can develop your commercial dream. They specialise in commercial tilt slab construction and have a large portfolio of completed builds. Fisher Developments have their own fleet of machinery consisting of excavators to 35-tonne graders, water trucks and rollers suitable for most development projects. 
Fisher developments are compliant with detailed performance standards, cost management, compliance requirements and ISO 9001 quality, AS4801 and FSC safety and ISO 14001 environmental management standards. Get full details with a phone call to Craig, but you can start on the website fisherdevelopments.com.au. Hey Charlie. Hey Jane. <laughs> it's frog season. <laughs> that's, it not a, that's not a term you hear that often, is it? No, well, I don't really see too many frogs around. Yeah, but you're a townie. It's true. true. We hear frogs often, (laughs) especially in our, you know, being on a farm and stuff, when there's water around and the kids love it, but they can never find them. So we're going to talk today about frog hunting. Wow. We've got Susan from the Mallee Catchment Management Authority. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Bit of a long name, isn't it? We sort of shorten it just to Mallee CMA and make it a bit easier. Uh, that is a bit easier. But yeah. just to give it some context so everyone knows what we're talking about. It's, it's pity the A and the C, you could be Macca almost. <laughs> Not sort of that. Yeah. You can play, so with, we're you can play in, with it. <laughs> yeah, we could. We could. I don't know how happy the CEO would be with it. But we are in Irimple and we do projects to look after the environment. That's basically what we do. Yeah, and there's some been some great projects. Last year, because um, I follow your Facebook page, so, and oh, last, cool. last year there was obviously, I think, the same frog monitoring program, wasn't there? Yeah. Yep, yep. So this is one of my favourites. So as you said, it is frog season. So what we mean by frog season is they're out calling. So interesting, I don't know if your listeners would know this, but it's actually only the boy frogs that are making the noise. And what they're actually calling out is if anyone would like to be their girlfriend, basically. Really? It's that that easy. easy. (laughs) (laughs) Love is in the air. Love is in the air. That's what's happening. I can see Charlie at the front of his house tonight. Calling like a frog. Flushing. Oh, no. How's that noise go again? Uh, well, that is a really interesting thing. So all these frogs are calling out and they need to make sure that they attract a girl frog that's the same species as them. So they attract one that's not of the same species. It's all a bit of a waste of time. So what frogs have done, they've evolved, pretty clever, is every species has their own specific noise, that a sound that's completely different everyone out. So basically this boy frog just sits there and just yells out, who wants to be my girlfriend? And girl frogs of the same species will hear and be like, oh yeah, that do sounds all right. And he's the same species. Let's go and check him out and see whether he would be someone I would like to have baby frogs with. He sounds, uh, they sound so lazy though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just sit around and wait for someone else to come. And you say... Yeah, you say who wants to be my girlfriend, but are they monogamous creatures or is it more of a one-night stand type deal? Yeah, definitely a one-night stand thing. Um, And then what they'll do... It is pretty much Tinder for frogs. (laughs) Yes, it is, yeah. And actually, we have a couple of cool species, and you do have them down your rum railway, that actually create little nests for the eggs. Now, you don't think of frogs making nests, do you? No. What kind of frogs are they? Yeah, so the ones that make nests are the – well, we – I don't know if you call them this because every region has a different name. We call them hobblebonk frogs. Do you call them that in Romvale? A what now? Yes, hobblebonk. Hobblebonk? That sounds like you're speaking Welsh. Yeah, you just making stuff up now. Wait, the reason I get called that is because that's what their sound sounds like. The other name they get called is the Eastern Banjo Frog. And the reason they have that name Banjo is like if you were to um, play like one chord of a banjo, that is sort of what they call sounds like. And they make these nets. So what they do is if you're down in the water and you can see like just like a little small circular um, bit of foam, like it, like you know, just as if you've done the dishes and you've um, got all that foamy mass. That's yeah. what they'll do. They'll create a little foamy mass, and then the fertilised eggs go on top of it. So cute. And then the little um, mummy frog, she actually goes around looking for bubbles of oxygen in the water, and she sort of feeds it into the nest. And then once the eggs hatch and they become tadpoles, they sort of become heavy and fall out and then swim around in the water. Wow. (laughs) That's all very – that's really cool. I know. And the other thing they do, which is super cool, is when they're tadpoles, they're they're 
big, big eaters. Like they are just super hungry and they will go out and eat all the algae. Like that's really delicious to them, what they love to eat. So they just, they like these big filters in the rivers and the wetlands, just cleaning up all the algae through the system and they do it all and we don't have to pay them a cent for it. They just do it as part of what they like to do. Wow. So as where part about, of um, whereabouts in Mildura do you go to see them? Well, that's a really good point. So the river is probably not the best place for them. They like kind of going to places where um, it's been sort of dry and then a bit of water come in and it's not too deep because what that does, it tends to grow lots of good algae and the adult uh, frogs like to eat insects, so it grows lots of good water bugs as well. So if you've got um, like a dam in your backyard or even stormwater drains or wetlands, so little bits of the floodplain that might be getting a bit of water now, you definitely would get frogs. But in the actual river, there's not quite as many because it's all a bit too deep and um, the water's flowing too fast. It's yeah. not really the best habitat for them. What about out at the Billabong? Not, yep, perfect, yeah, perfect. Yeah. And you, you'll go out there and the best time too is in the evening. That's when the romance really starts is about <laughs> five or six at night. Yeah, <laughs> After a the, couple of wines. So, so yeah, for us it would probably be um, Bumbang Island, you'd say. Like they've got little swamps in there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So you could go down there um, in the evening. Honestly, it will just be really loud with all these frogs. And you can really start to hear that there's different species and they've got different calls. And we've actually got this project going. So can I tell you about the project yeah, that we've got going? please do. So it's actually a national project. So it's actually been run by the Australian Museum and it's just the coolest project. So what you do it's an app. It's called Frog ID, mm-hmm. and you download it on your phone. It goes on Androids and iPhones. It's free. And then what you do is you download the app. You go out to a site where you think, yeah, there's going to be frogs here, and you record the sounds of the frogs. So it takes you have to stand there for I think it's about thirty seconds. Record it, and then when you get back home and you've got Wi-Fi, you just submit it. And what will happen is there's frog experts around Australia that will get your email, put their headphones on and listen to the calls. And because each species has their own specific call, they actually can listen to the sounds and tell you what frogs you've got there at that site. And you'll get an email back to say, thanks for that. Um, These were the frogs that you recorded while you were out there. And it sounds like a really cool party trick. Wow, I got this data. I'm really excited about You're actually then contributing to a project that they're doing at three different levels. So nationally, unfortunately, our frog species are declining, both the numbers and the diversity we've got. So what they're trying to do is track where are these frogs, what are they doing, how is climate change impacting them, how cane toads, now we don't have cane toads, but they're trying to track where they're moving. So that data will be part of that national project. And then in Victoria, they're trying to do some really clever math stuff where they create these computer models. And what they're trying to do is say you put water in a wetland, you want to know how that will respond to that water. And what they're doing is they're using all this data that you collect about frogs and they can find out what was happening at that wetland and they can sort of then run a bit of a prediction where they go, look, we know when we run water in that wetland, we get this species, this species and this species. And so it can help to maintain the habitat and keep these frogs happy. And then locally, we use that data to know where the frogs like hanging out and we can um, organise projects to make sure water gets delivered to those sites the first part of the frog's life cycle, so the eggs and the tadpoles, has to happen in water. If there's no water around, so say during the millennium drought, they just don't breed. They'll stop breeding. They're really cool. They'll do things where they bury underground and they're like, well, I'm just going to hang out here until that water arrives. Really? Frogs are pretty yeah. clever, hey? You know what, though? I know. Uh, school holidays. How good's that? Charlie? Yeah. Take, take the kids out. Oh, take them out to yeah. My to kids yeah. love yeah. it. They love yeah. searching. And last year um, during this uh, this time of the year, we went out and built a frog pond. Huh. Just oh. to 
Cool, you know, yeah. well, just uh, where, essentially, no, yeah, well, yeah. where the motocross track is now, but yeah. we dug a hole yeah. and lined it with rocks and just filled it up with water under where sort of the grey water is. We didn't get a hell of a lot because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing they don't like grey water very much. <laughs> um, but one question I have got, and this might be a silly question, yeah. how do trucks, when we talk about frogs moving through areas and where they're moving yeah. to, how yeah. do they travel? Do yeah, they travel? No, I don't even know if anyone's ever done that as an investigation because you're right, they seem to travel. And there's two species that are really good at traveling and that's that hobble bong and another one called the spotted marsh frog. And they seem to just appear out of nowhere. And I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Same as turtles. Turtles can travel long distances to get to water too. I wonder how I they know. do it. Slowly. Yeah, well, slowly because yeah. they have got wings, but, that, but mm. yeah, and they're so well camouflaged. Maybe they're just quite good at you know just ruffling through the foliage and you know getting to a spot. And then even how they know where the water is, they must be able to sort of sense it from quite a fair distance. Yeah, well, they are obviously very clever. Our little frogs. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of frogs, so this yeah. is a um. So you've got the Mally. CMA, yeah, is Catchment Management Authority, Macca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, you've got an office set up in uh in the mall in Mildura, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So what we've been doing, um, we have three things to hand out. We've got like a little ID book which lists the frogs that we have in our region. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one frog that sometimes turns up in our region that's um quite rare and threatened called the growling grass frog. So it's really a cool little booklet where you can actually see what the frogs look like because, as you said, often you don't get to see them, you only get to hear them. We've also got a little flyer that shows you how to download this Frog ID app and how to use it. We did have headlamps, but they've all gone now. But I kept aside for your listeners and um, I'm going to have two to give away. So Yay! if you and then I'm going to actually get some books and some of those flyers and set them up in your office. Well, what, whereabouts is this um, recorded? I'm not sure. We're at Network House in Robinvale. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll have some of the books and the flyers explaining the project that anyone can just come in and pick up for free and just know not only is it a cool activity, but you are actively contributing to science in a really positive way. So even if it's like, you know, I'm sick of being at home and I want to do some good in the world, this is the perfect project for you. You get to go out in nature and help science. Absolutely. It's better than chasing Pokemons. Charlie, go chase frogs. I've never chased, I've never chased Pokemon, just for the record. Is that still a thing? I'm sure people still chase Pokemon, but chasing frogs. So I reckon to give these headlamps away, because they're cool, and that's what you need when you're out at night chasing frogs, um, we'll get people to submit, and by people I mean kids, get, um, get them to submit a drawing of a frog to our Facebook yeah. page. Yes. Good idea. I love it. Yeah. Hey, That's see, a cool idea. What is the frog on <laughs> um on your page? There's a one on the frog monitoring citizen scientist uh event. Uh what's it what yeah. kind of frog is that? It's a green one. It's quite bright green, yeah. We don't get that one here. It's like a green tree frog. That's not its proper name, but it's something like that. And it's more in New South Wales and Queensland. So it sort of heads it's more north of um of our region, we like people go frogs in their backyard. I bet you people listening to this are going, "Oh, I remember we saw that frog." Da da da. So the two species people will find in their backyard is the Perrin's tree frog, which looks a bit like that one you were just talking about, but it's grey. And then it's got this really freaky thing where if you shine the light in a special way on it, it's got like little fluoro dots on it. Oh, yeah. oh. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating the dots. They're more like little fluoro sneers rather than Oh, like than dots. the blue ones? Are they blue? Uh, no, it's more green. And then underneath their legs, they've got like a stripe of yellow. They're very, very cool. And they're, they're very good climbers. So there'll be ones like they'll climb up on your window. Mm. Um, a lot of people get them in the backyard. And the pobble bonk, I feel like he's like the uh, key um, frog that we're talking about today. He also hangs out in people's backyards a fair bit and he'll be one that you'll be digging away 
And people came by and like, I dug a hole and there was a frog at the bottom of the yeah. hole and that would be the popple frog. And he's just hanging out there waiting for some rain or flooding to come along. That's fascinating that they can burrow down into the ground. I've actually got a photo. I was just showing Charlie a photo of one of my sons um, who loves frogs with a big frog in his um, in his hand. We didn't hear this, but we pulled it out of my parents' pool. Why is it blue? Oh. Like, what's his, why is his hand blue? Oh, oh, that's paint. The, oh. Oh, <laughs> his say. hand being blue is irrelevant because he was painting. But the frog is a speckly kind of, like, and he's a beefy sort of frog. Yeah. And he was just hanging out in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see it. i see what it's it is. Small. Well, if you guys get this book, I reckon you'll be able to go through the book and work out what it is. Yeah, I reckon I asked the kids to go find their frog monitoring book that they got last year from you guys and they oh, couldn't yeah. find it because, you know, oh. boys. But anyway, that's boys. okay. They'll get another one <laughs> soon. You, know, you make a good point there too that frogs can really vary in the way they look. Like they've got certain features that meet, you know, the criteria of being in that species. But like the growling grass frog, I talked about that. Like the picture in our book is it's vibrant green, but it can also be like a murky brown. So there can be a lot of variation in skin colour. And do they call it a growling grass frog because it sounds like it's growling? Yeah, that's yeah. Exactly I, reckon, I know who would have thunk it, but <laughs> I I think that's one of the ones that we do hear when we go camping. We well, often hear if that the frog you hear. That would be incredible because that's one of our rarest frogs, and you need to record where you find that one because that one, if you record it, they'll send back the message to say, "Oh my god, you found a growling grass frog." high five you but it won't be on their map they keep it a secret where they find the brown and grass frog because they're too scared people try and poach them they're oh. that rare really yeah yeah in what? south australia what? they call them southern bells i have no idea why so but if you hear someone say southern bell they mean a brown and grass frog what are they doing with them like they're poaching them but yeah what, what they, do they do like, i don't know well you know i sort of know i think they sell them to people oh Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're pretty. really there and they can look so pretty, like a really bright green. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they just don't want to give away the location. So they'll keep it a secret. You'll be told, yes, you found one, but it won't get um, published online. We get that information because that helps us. Because if you find a ground and grass frog, we will prioritize that as a site to get water for mm. the environment because, oh, my goodness, you've got a growling grass frog. Let's look after that habitat. Wow. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, I know. What else is – I have a question. Yeah. Stumpy, have you – you travel between here and Mildura a lot. Have you seen the stumpies out? Yeah, I was going to say, do you guys do any – Anything else with lizards or birds at the moment? No, we we actually do have a lizard book, but we've got a citizen science project, and I know the stumpies are just so gorgeous and they're out and about. So um, stumpies are what we call cold-blooded animals. So we're warm-blooded, and it's a bit, like, confusing what that means. It just means, like, we have these bodies that are really awesome at keeping a constant temperature, like we're 37 point something. And like if we get put in a really cold environment, our body automatically just makes us warmer. Like we don't even have to think about it. Whereas cold-blooded animals, their body temperature is whatever the outside um, temperature is. So it means in winter you hardly ever see them because it's really cold and they're just sitting around saying, I hope spring's around the corner because I'm quite cold. (laughs) But that's what's happened. It's warmed up. All these cold-blooded animals, so including your snakes, get um, warmer and can move around. So it is so cute about stumpies, though. They make for life. Oh, do they? Oh, so they're not out, like, just calling for a... For a Mrs. on Lizard Tinder? No, it's not like the frogs. They're not out playing the game. (laughs) They make for love. I think that's so cute. So what they're doing at the moment, it's spring. It's nice and warm. Love is in the air. So they're looking to breed. But one of their favourite foods to eat, favourite, is flowers. So they really like wildlife, wild native flowers. So they're going around looking for flowers because it's, Spring and eating it, and um, yeah, that's why they're out and about. So it's a combination of them being cold blooded, so the weather's warming up, so they can move more. They're looking to breed, and 
Yeah, they're really cool. And then unfortunately, they get hit a lot on roads because they are a bit slow. And um, I was reading this research. Like, I just want this mind-boggling. There's this really famous professor over in South Australia. Unfortunately, he's passed away now. Mm-hmm. But for 35 years, 35 years, he researched um, these stumpy-tailed um, lizards. Like, that's a long time. So he mm-hmm. knew a lot about them. And he, docu- he was the one who documented that they mate for life. But he also documented that they grieve when their partner dies. Oh, mm. stop it. Do they yeah, really? So I often I think about that. that. That's the same with, um, is it, one of the cockatoos do it, do it as well. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know which so one, but one of them do Right, it. yep, yep. And we're only starting to learn this about our animals, um, how some cockatoos, you're right, are, are very social. So they never thought reptiles had any sort of social, like they just hung out by themselves, but not with stumpy tails. They were actually quite social. So he was able to show they bred for life, they grieve when their um, partner dies, and they also were able to show, I think this is really cool, that they had long-term friends and enemies. Oh, really? They hold a grudge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my kind of animal. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Like, so he was able to show these, um, you know, lizards that would rock up and sort of hang out with each other with no breeding. It was just like, you know, catching up on your friends. And he was able to show over the years that they would keep catching up. That is cool. Well, there you go. I love that um, lizards are. Uh, but stumpy tails, now this might be a, uh, a rural myth. Do they help with snake control? Yeah, I think that's a rural myth. I don't I've know. I don't know. Have. Oh, so I've also. Heard- I don't know. Well, on your uh, Facebook page, I also noticed there's um, some government smart farm small grants available at the moment, and it doesn't close until the 9th of October. That's right. Yeah, so, so you've got to get on our website for yeah, that. Yeah, so the farming community out there, get on it. Mm. Yeah. And there's, a, there's another thing, you know what, we'll talk to you again maybe in a couple of weeks because there's the National Mallyfowl Recovery Team as well. Yeah. There's a video on that and I love, I have never I seen know. a Mallyfowl. I used to hear stories about my grandfather used to go out bush um, and my grandmother who grew up in Natcha. Um, Don't say they used to eat them. No, 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 no. <laughs> but they, I learned about the Mallyfowls from their stories that they used to have, they were dryland farmers and. And yeah. they used to occasionally find mallyfowl nests on their property and fence it yeah. off so that foxes and th- and, and look after them. Um, but I have yet never seen one. We went hunting for them, you know, to, to look at them with pa as kids, yeah. but have never seen one. I've never seen one. No. Well, I, I probably have. Do, um, I didn't know what it was. Not realised. And I think you're a bit shocked at how big the nests are that they build. Like, they're quite large and they just do the coolest thing where they basically create their own um, heating system for the eggs. They're just the coolest birds. Um, Yeah. yeah. We'll talk to you. Yeah, Yeah, we might get you back and talk about the mallyfowl in a couple of weeks. But for now, if you want to win um, the headlamp and the book so you can go hunting frogs, um, and I've downloaded the the app. It's just called Frog ID. It's an Australian museum thing. It's really cool. It's like Shazam for frogs. Kind of. It kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> but if you draw a frog now or get your young person to draw a frog, post it on our Facebook page or email it to us. We've got – how many did you say, Susan? Two to give away? Two, yep. Awesome. And you can pick them up from Network House. You'll get details when we announce the winner, which will probably be on next week's yeah. podcast, I would think. Um, that's actually not bad, Charlie. <laughs> You've surprised me. I don't know what's going on with its legs there, but that looks like a – well, Some sort of cauldron yeah. with eyes, in yeah. fact. <laughs> Susan, thank you very, very much for telling us about the Citizen Scientist program and frogs and how cool they are. I'm a big fan of frogs. So uh, we might, we'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. See you, Susan. Your Ford dealer is open and ready to help your business get back to business with high-vis value, like the reliable Transit Custom 340S van with auto for only $44,990 drive away. It's the van smart enough to be a mobile office with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Plus, you get heated seats and much more. So hurry into your Ford dealer now. Recommended price, T's and C's apply. See Ford.com.au for details. And we're back. No, you need to do the website. What did we just say? I said it on there. 
I said... No, what? that's but Pioneer Ford need to put their website oh, on it. All right, go to pioneerford.com.au. <laughs> Oh, Fev, jump on. We've got David Fevlicky here to talk about, and we'll get to you in a minute, but we've just started a conversation before I hit record about Cobra Kai. And how good it is. <laughs> yeah. And how good it is. Oh, Charlie. I don't know what your problem is with it. It's the most cheesy, tacky, and I am. Yeah, and that's ca- what's good about it. No, I'm a Karate Kid fan from, like, Daniel Sun all the way. But Daniel LaRusso, just putting it out there, bit of an arsehole. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, is. he is. No, he is. <laughs> he is. Fev, have you watched this show? Turn that microphone around so we can hear. Uh, I haven't watched the show, but I, I watched Karate Kid uh, back in the days. Yeah, don't bother with this series. So there was a, there's two seasons of a spin-off show now. What, the first one, and it's just gone to Netflix, the first one premiered on YouTube Premium. Spoiler alert, everyone, if you haven't heard it. haven't seen it yet. No, there's no spoiler alert. I'm not going to talk about where I'm up to. In the, have oh. you watched both seasons? Yeah. yeah. Like, once I started, I would like stayed up through the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the same with some, yeah. some series. Couldn't get enough of it. Oh, look, it started that way. I was so excited when I saw this series come to Netflix. I was like, right, we're sitting up till three o'clock in the morning and we'll just binge the whole lot. Into the first episode and there was all these flashbacks to the high school valley tournament. Now, these are not even adults. Yeah. Yet, but they are now, so it's 30 years later or whatever. And their whole life has revolved around what happened at that damn tournament in high school. It's awesome. And they keep flashing back to it. I'm like, surely what happens in high school doesn't affect your life, whether you win or lose, doesn't affect your life that much. Yes. No. It does. Like, if you're a winner in high school, you're going to be oh, a winner in your life. Clearly not, because Johnny was a winner in high school and turns out he's a bum now. Yeah. No, but he lost the Valley tournament, just saying. <sighs> But I will cool, say, cool kids uh, at high school most likely turn out not being the cool kids after school. Correct, and this is that's the one analogy you can take from this. Like big old tough Johnny turns out not to be so cool, while Daniel Larusso yeah. owns multiple, and he kicks the opposition <laughs> and <laughs> gives them bonsai trees. Yeah. Like, come on, that is cheesy and tacky. But it's great. This is why I love it. It's not great. It's, you can't say it's cheesy and tacky and then say, but it's great. Best thing uh, I liked about it: uh, the final episode of the second series. It had, uh, don't be disappointed, there is another series in the can. Like, so really? This, yeah, it's going to be a third series. Oh, God. I will say, though, for the letters, Johnny has turned out to be very attractive. And I don't know, and I've said this to Luke a couple of times, I will continue to watch it even though he's jumped ahead of me and this is what we were talking about before. When you start watching a series or listening to a podcast series with your partner, jumping ahead is very rude. Yes. Does Luke like it? Luke loves it, Lo- which is why he's jumped ahead. And I've kind of yeah. – he watched the end of the first season without me because I fall asleep and all the rest of it. But I have mentioned to Luke a few times that I can't help but find Johnny very attractive now that he's an older man. So you set the bar. Discuss. Well, not as attractive as Luke. Yeah. No, obviously yeah. not as attractive obviously. as Luke. Yeah. No, and he Luke's can't a run far, as far better bloke. Yeah. He can't run as far. No, that's exactly right. Although he's pretty fit. <sighs> That's anyway, Johnny, that is. That's Cobra Kai. It's mm. on Netflix now. Wish I had the Sonic Trigger. I don't. Fev, you're here to talk about your brilliant app. Now, Backpicker, is it available yet? Is it operational? Yes. So the the website's ready and available and it's live mm-hmm. uh, across Australia and we pulled the app so that we can develop the website out quicker and iterate a lot quicker than what it would take to develop the website and the app. Ah, right, gotcha. So tell us about it. Tell us about – turn that – we don't have great microphones here. This is a community thing we're we're operating on, you know, cheap equipment. (laughs) So tell us about um, what Backpicker does. Uh, So Backpicker is just uh, a culmination of uh, my experiences growing up and in Robinvale itself, and then going away uh, with no experience, trying to secure work, um, and all those difficulties, having to to write up my own resume um, and present myself, pretty much sell myself to the employer to get a job. Mm. Um, and what I realised is that there's a lot of uh, experience, a lot of licences and certificates I never would have 
heard about unless I put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my connections come through and a lot of my knowledge come from the guys I played footy with, um, going away, working in fly and fly out. There's a lot of tickets uh, that I never would have known about. Mm. But the only reason I got that job in the mine was because I was I secured it through playing football for their local club in Mount Isa. Really? Um, and so understanding how hard it was for myself to um, – I guess no one normal would go out there and put themselves out like that. Um, and I've just combined all that, understanding that the shortage of labour in every town that I worked with, worked in, which Mount Isa, Gladstone, um, over in WA, Onslow, there was a lot of travelling workers that were travelling into areas uh, where there was no work. Mm. Um, and speaking to my mates who, who were farmers back when I played in Victoria, they always struggled to find uh Good workers, decent mm-hmm. uh, workers that are reliable. Yep. And, and the guys that we're running into and, and socialising with on our days off were good guys, good workers, hard workers, but they just didn't know where the work was. So all that combined, um, back to my grassroots, growing up in Romville, I I thought that, that there was nothing out there that could really uh, bridge the gap. Mm. So... And I, I was um, listening to other podcasts as well and a lot of the podcasts, I always had a lot of uh, tech guys coming on speaking about this is how we our development process happened. Mm-hmm. So once I felt comfortable with, okay, this is the steps that I need to, to, to take to take the idea from my head and turn it into a physical product, mm-hmm. um, I made that phone call and I, I called a developer. So pretty much the, the product that we have now is just to streamline the registration process between uh, business owner and job seeker, mm-hmm. concentrating on the farming growers uh, sectors. Yep. Uh, and our idea initially was very large. Like We, we thought that we could uh, target every single industry. Yep. But what we quickly found out is that every industry is very specific on, on, on their needs. Mm-hmm. So then we fully just focused on the growers and uh, the actual product that we had in our mind and in our prototype is a far thing, a far product away from what we have now because uh, the list of ideas and features we wanted to put in there, once we started talking to the farmers, started talking to the job seekers, uh, yeah, there's probably only one feature on, mm. on our product now. And that's what happens a lot of the time when you get developers um, that do all this great technical stuff and have all these great ideas, great for them, great for their resume, doesn't always work terribly well in a practical sense, does it? No. 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 I know that from working with website developers <laughs> often and then trying to get something that's user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and will get good outcomes. Yep, 100%. So uh, you said user friendly. How like literature? Lit, well, literate, I can't even say it now. Well, because you're illiterate. Yeah, yeah I'm illiterate. <laughs> so what's your what's your level have to be like? Can anyone off the street just use it? Like how literate do you have to be? Are you literate? <laughs> no, um, let me let me ask the question. Could Charlie use it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. If I can use it, like. Um, that what I understand about technology now, I've only learned over the past twelve months. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I could, I didn't know how to use a spreadsheet. So like, what I'm saying, like what I'm saying, can my dad get on there? Yes. and do it. Yep. Um, three minute process to register your business. Yeah. Uh, you uh, so select the, the registration tab. You put in your email address, your yeah. business name, or, or your name, and then you go through, and then. Uh, it, all it asks is for the location, the address of your business, the name of your business, your ABN number, uh, the produce that you you grow, mm. uh, and that's it. Yeah. Press OK. Takes you to a dashboard, and then you're able to create a job. Huh. Yeah. And it's really it's nice and clean and easy to navigate, which is really important as well. Um, does it cost? 
things like Seek and the other sort of job seeker platforms cost a fortune. So Seek is kind of out of the realms of possibilities for mum and dad farmers that are just looking for some labour for thinning or bunch trimming or whatever it might be. What are the costs like to post a job on this? It's free. It's free? 100% free. Oh. Is it advertising so, on there? Like how, how are you paying for it? Uh, it's just been bootstrapped. So myself and my co-founder, um, the good thing is my co-founder is a developer. Oh, okay. So he's a full stack developer. Everything um, that you see there, it's uh, just been bootstrapped, so out of our own pocket. Uh, moving forward, uh, we haven't – we're just focusing on the problem before we think of a subscription model or yeah. some type of monetization. Yep. Because um, if we're not able to deliver more value than other platforms out there, we're going to have to look at other alternatives, other verticals where – Back to all the conversations with other farmers, they have a lot of other problems um, with running their business, like business management tools. Where yep. We potentially could go to the vertical of creating software for farmers to be able to manage their farm yeah. and, and uh, a payroll system, just for example. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of other verticals that we're thinking of, so, but at this stage we just want to provide value. Yeah, okay. And if it's free to – Fine work. You've got there's over four hundred. Yeah, there's over four hundred jobs listed in. Are these all fair income? These this is not a dummy site. This is not in beta form at the moment. And that's whereabouts? That's not just in. That's this New area. South. No, that's New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia. Five. ACT. Well, all the jobs are alive. All the businesses um, have been businesses that have registered themselves and posting the jobs themselves. So we don't post any jobs for anyone. They just uh, register themselves, post the jobs, fill them. Yep. Um, we've got a communication system inside our website so they can message each other when they shortlist their applicants mm-hmm. and before they give out their contact details, they can really uh, work out if, if they're a good fit. This is great too because in one, just by looking at this, it's really easy to read that the dates for employment are X, the location, the job type, the contract type, and the rate. So you've got your piece rate there, $27 a unit. What's this for? I'm in the uh, wrong job. <laughs> oranges. Have a look what it is first. Yeah, no, I'm picking oranges. Yeah. I can pick oranges. Accommodation, yeah. it, like it, the cost for accommodation and transport. So it's also transparent and that's important, isn't it? Yes, 100%. Um, exploitation is uh, something that we see a lot yeah. um, out there. But I think from our conversations, a lot of like with the farmers and the job seekers, uh, you only hear the, the the voices of the ones that had a bad experience. Ninety mm. yeah. percent of oh, I would even say ninety nine percent of job seekers have had a good uh, experience. One mm. percent, the one percent are the loud ones, but their uh, experiences still matter. So what we want to do is be able to create a rating, reviewing, and endorsement system mm-hmm. so that we can promote the the businesses that are conducting uh, safe and fair workplaces. Yeah. And instead of having to pay to boost your job like you do on Seek and Indeed, mm. what we want to do is through those uh, like an, ratings for Like an Uber rating? Mm. Yeah, yeah. For example, we'll give them points which will translate in backpicker dollars. Yep. And then they can use that to boost their job. So uh-huh. instead of paying to boost your job, you just need to be able to – create a, uh, a safe and fair environment for your workers that they're yeah. going to leave a, good, leave a good review. Yeah, yeah. leave a good review or rate you yeah. well, just like Uber. Yeah. Wow. I'm wondering, uh, you know how, you, well, how you're not paying, like in, you don't have to pay for it at the moment. See, if you did go down the advertising road, could you localise it? So just say like people that are looking for work in Rumba, like backpackers, they get uh, like ads from Loft saying, you know, if you show us this, you'll get a coffee for 50 cents off or something. Like could you get in, bring in local yeah. businesses so that way there you're also promoting businesses mm. and it's their way of advertising yeah. and paying for the app. Mm. Elders could do it on the farmer's side of stuff, elders and landmark. Just throwing out ideas. Oh, I was going to say, this is brainstorming business ideas with Chaz. Yeah. So <laughs> if you see it pop up, then you'll probably come knock on the door and say, oh, that was my idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um. So just trademark the IP. Yeah. You're fine. Not you, I'm trying to fair. Just write that down. Trademark. <laughs> we just but, got that out of the yeah. Out of yeah. The podcast. It's no, in, it's interesting. Well, that's in, that's yeah. recorded as well. So he's got no case. That'll yeah. none of this will ever if hold up in court. If you and Cole get married, I'm not buying your present. That's it. There. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the feature. Yeah. The feature. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get your co-founder on the phone um, because he might have some ideas on uh, on how to do that. So we will take a break. We'll play an ad from Fisher's <laughs> Developments for another one of the podcast sponsors and we'll be back soon. Building a new home doesn't have to be stressful. It should be an experience you enjoy that you can put all of your energy into knowing that in the end you'll be living in your dream home. At Fisher Developments, it is possible. In fact, anything is possible. Fisher Developments specialise in building beautiful homes to suit your family, style and budget, but also taking into consideration your lifestyle. They have multiple residential developments in progress right now in numerous locations. But if you're looking for that specialist and personal touch to build your dream home, then it's worth giving Craig a call. Fisher Developments are HIA and Master Builders of Victoria members, so you can be sure you're getting only the finest workmanship. Don't stress, your perfect forever home is just a phone call away. But start with going to fisherdevelopments.com.au. Fisher Developments, developing dreams. fisherdevelopments.com.au. No, that was a good break. We had a, I had a donut. <laughs> How are your donuts, by the way? Lemon <laughs> curd filled. Beautiful. They are delicious. I, did, I was expecting you to go, and we're back. Oh, I, I did want to say that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Fev, how you going? Again? <laughs> yeah, good. That was your break. So how's uh, Ofer? How's he going? Well, he's on the phone. Yeah, Don't talk about him like he's not here. Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to bring him into the conversation somehow. <laughs> you know what? This is what happens when he thinks he can take over. He just needs to let me drive and you bring well, the lols. You're the one who was talking about <laughs> Ofer, you are Fev's co-founder of Backpicker. We've just been talking about this, um, the evolution that has been Backpicker over the last, what, two years, 18 months? How long has it been, Fev? Yeah, about 18 months. Yeah. So how did you and Ofer, Ofer, can you tell us a bit about your background first? Firstly, um, how to pronounce your name correctly because I fear I'm getting it wrong. It's okay. My name is Ofer. Ofer. Excellent. And your, what's your background? Because you've got a magnificent accent. Yeah. So my background is uh, I'm from Israel. I work 10 years in the startup industry in Israel. Wow. And three years ago, I just come to Australia to improve my English and learn more. I fell in love in Australia and in my girlfriend here. Ah. And from that time here. Wow. So you just up and left and came to Australia. Is it that easy? Uh, it wasn't easy. I come here as a, to be a student. I search, I try to find location that I can improve my English. Mm-hmm. So I just search in Google some location and I understand that this year's Melbourne was in the last two years the best location to live. And I just say, why not to learn English there? Well, wow. so I just come here and I saw that, you know, I think that to be just around an environment that just speaking English, you can learn a lot. And to meet people and all the day will be English. It's better communication. And this is what I did. Wow. I'm glad that you picked Australia to come. I'm picturing – I've travelled a fair bit too, and every time I meet Israeli people, even the Israeli backpackers that come over and work, Israeli people are beautiful. I'm picturing – and I've never seen a photo of you, I fur, but – I'm picturing Ofer to be like seven foot tall and gorgeous. Is he Fev? Uh, is he gorgeous, Fev? Is, is he yeah. gorgeous, Fev? He's a, he's a good looking fellow. Yeah. He? He's, he's fit, runs every day. Well, there you go. So you can say yes. You're comfortable with your sexuality, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. If you nod, we can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not like uh, the guy off Karate Kid, though. Uh, no, Johnny. Johnny, no. he'd be better than no, Johnny. Johnny. No, Johnny yeah. of Cobra no. no. So tell us how you got involved with Fev and with Backpicker. Okay, so I come here in Australia and, you know, I come from industry and culture of uh, startup. So I try to find myself and ask myself what I'm going to do here. And I come with some idea to Accelerator and I meet Fev in an Accelerator here in Melbourne. So we did the same Accelerator. And we have a good connection, I think, from the start because my start of the idea was about tradesmen and that is like he's tradesman himself. And in Israel, I had a few years ago startup about agriculture. It was the CTO of company that uh, make IoT for farms 
that they give them alerts before the disease will come to the growth and how to prevent and to use less chemicals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a good connection between us and we talked a lot. And I think that our culture has come natural. So yeah. we decided to work together. I was just saying earlier off air that there seems to be, even though the technology in Israel is heads and shoulders above a lot of other parts of the world, there seems to be a lot of parallels with farming and agriculture between Australia and Israel. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah. I think that there is also, I saw here that there is many companies that know in Israel. Israel has really good big background of uh, farms and what they're doing there and in invasion for that. And I think that here from our speaking with farms, I also understand that many things that invited in Israel and uh, they're working with the company from here. So it's pretty well, pretty excited to work in the farm industry here. It's here, the farm industry is huge compared to Israel. Yeah, right. Have you um, spent much time down here in uh, Rumbell and Houston? Yeah, I came there. I was uh, three or four days with David, just to meeting, traveling there. So it's awesome. Like, it's amazing. And, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, you need to come down in uh, in January when it's 40 degrees heat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that the border will be open until then. Yeah. Hope that oh, yeah. we can move. Yeah, that- <laughs> Iron Who Man, knows? It's around Melbourne. Yeah, you're in Melbourne at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of the suburbs of Melbourne. Right. Well, you may not be going anywhere, but if uh, Charlie's mate, old Dan, uh, is good to his word, then maybe things will open up sooner rather than later. <laughs> Feb's yeah. just shaking. Yeah, the numbers shoes. look good. So, well, yeah. they're getting the better. Good, so. yeah. yeah, they're getting you know, better. He's doing his best. We're not going to get into this, Charlie. Don't push me. I am not a fish. I'm not going to bite yet. Well, no, it'd be interesting. Uh, you're in Melbourne. What What's the local vibe, well, the Melbourne vibe about Dan Andrews and how well he's going? Oh, my God. Really? Are you serious? I don't know that Ophir would be able to give, like coming from Israel, there would be a very stark contrast between our political system and I think that it's a different culture. Mm. I think that it's more different culture. Uh, yeah, in Israel, for example, they was kind of open. People not uh, too much going after the rules. And yesterday, I assume that was around 7,000 in a day. And now they're just thinking to close everything, everything. Because this month in Israel, it's a lot of holidays. Mm. I think that you're working maybe just four or five days through all this month because many holidays mm-hmm. and yeah, they're going to close the border. If I think it's good or not good. And uh, I think that it will take years by years, to the economic to get after this and people losing jobs and money and some lives, you know, yeah, difficult time for everyone. It is. And I think we're just going to have to learn to live with it. And that's essentially what's going to Yeah, happen. We need to look on the half, half uh, full glass is mm. what I'm saying. Always. Yes, that's right. The glass is half full, Charlie. Yeah, mm. I agree. Mm. So talk, talk <laughs> us through. So you're the developer that's developed this website, um, which is Backpicker, and we were just talking about it earlier about how it's easy to navigate and it's user-friendly, which in this, interest, in this industry is really important. Yeah, in our, in our case also it's really, really important. You know that... Many entrepreneurs thinking that what they know is the best and what they're thinking, this is what's need to be. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from the Israeli culture is that in the end, it's not matter about yours and the entrepreneur, it's about the people that's using it. Yeah. And in our case, most of the farms, mm-hmm. there are less technology people. So you need to make it really easy and friendly for them to using. Sometimes as a developer, you can think that, ah, it's easy, you know, like I'm dealing with computer, for me it's really easy. But in the end, when you're looking at the customer point, how it's going to be for him. So because I'm working with farm people before, I understand and also learn every time it's about learning, it's about to collect the data. And computers, people, they're basing on data, you know. Like if it's people use it or how they use it or when they're clicking or how they're clicking or what's making them easy to understand and how people are using computers and phones and 
this is what we learn every day. And our purpose in the end is to make this for the farm more value. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's some, what Ferd has mentioned there about it doesn't matter what we think or what we believe um, mm. will make that make the product work better because um, that's something that I battled from what I envisioned when yeah. I first thought of Backpicker. And I, was, I kept on wondering why I would say a feature and a fur wouldn't get excited at all. He'd be like, show me the data. Yeah. I'll yeah. think of another feature yeah. and I'll be, and then he would say, show me the data. And I'm just like, like pulling my hair out thinking it, it, after two, three months, it, it makes sense that, you know, and, and that I'm learning off a fur. Yeah. And a fur's patient enough to keep on telling me, and that's that's a really important thing and you're lucky that Afer is so patient because that's one thing you always have to, and I always talk about this, always ask why. If you're going to do something, always come back to why, why you're doing it, why you've set out to, to achieve a certain objective, why you're going in one direction, always have that why question and sometimes why not, but always come back to that why and some of the features, you know, that we mentioned before, well, why would you give them an Uber rating and things like that in the future? Yep, that would be great. But, Ofer, this might be another question for you. How are you and Fev going to make a business out of this? How are you going to make money out of this? Because at the end of the day, if this is going to be, you know, a business, got to make you some cash. Where's the cash going to come from? Yeah, so there is many locations that we can look about this. At this point, we're just trying to understand Okay, we understand that there is a problem in the industry, and now we can solve it. And we we need to cho- we need to check the value and the differentiation that we bring to this industry before we're thinking about money. Mm. Uh, because if you bring in value, people will use it, and if people use it, people will pay for that. And you need to find it. You know, there is many competitors and many things in the market, but you can understand that still something is not really working. Still, there is a lot of problem here in Australia specific to get people to work in the farms and the process that they're dealing to take workers. And so I think that there is options for us to take a subscription for farms mm. about using and about using features and stuff like this. And, but we're still more focusing on the value and want to understand and to be focused in the main problem that we're dealing with. And I'm sure that when we will be there and understand it, I think that we, we understand in the last few weeks because our data and because how much people are using it and because how many farms will help them to take people without at this point to pay. And after we get them review and they will really happy to pay for that. Yeah. And, and of course, it will be competitor price about the market. Money is not all in the life. If you're feeling that you can change something and help to the industry, uh, it can be amazing. Uh, just to give you some information that I think in 2050, people say that there will not be enough food production for the people that will be, the amount of people that will be in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's amazing what we're doing. And, you know, like, could be another conclusion because what we're doing. If it will be food enough and the product will be good enough, so it could be that we as a customer can pay less. And, yeah, it could be a lot of kind of conclusions from what we're doing. Mm. So I don't care about the money. I care more about how much value we bring to the farms. And as much as more farm will be used us, we will learn more and understand them more and understand their needs. And this is how we can help them. Yeah, that's a a good way to approach it, a very good way to approach it. And I I totally appreciate what you're saying because I'm not driven by my – I do a podcast for free that costs me money, so I'm not completely driven driven by – money either just that the satisfaction that you get from doing something good yeah yeah totally i've i'm the same i've never been driven by money or money's never made me happy Mm. it's just been experiences and i guess the experiences that i've um, shared with other people how are you marketing at the moment where are you getting into so we've partnered with a a couple of produce bodies Mm -hmm. um there's three produce bodies that we've uh we've partnered with okay and we're just trying to look for organic growth yep uh, organic uh, marketing yep and hopefully that by the value that we're adding at the moment with our business users Mm -hmm. they send us a message we call we call them straight away and they love that Mm. no other platform out there 
is on the phone calling their users back, taking their feedback, actioning that into a feature that they just mentioned. Yeah. Or, or the pain point that they had, we're, we're moving that quick that um, hopefully that it can just transfer into peer-to-peer sharing of, you know, the two co-founders. Yep. They actually care. Personal yeah. service. Yes. Jerry Maguire. 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we watched that the other day and Luke said at the point where he said, if this is empty, this doesn't matter. Luke went, is this where you get all your business acumen from? And I went, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I learned everything I know at 16 years old <laughs> from Jerry Maguire. Um, well, thank you both for joining us today. It's fantastic. You can go to backpicker.com.au and register. It works on all devices as well. Excellent. Fully responsive, I would imagine, I fair. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. Okay, that's my buzzword for the for the day. What? Responsive. Responsive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. Good luck with it, and we'll uh, we'll check in. We'll put all the links up on our website as well, so that you can have a look at what we're doing, and hopefully we get a lot of local farmers register with their vacancies coming into uh, the busy season as well. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. If you've got a family. You're probably as busy at home as you are at work, which is why it's smart to rely on a Ford SUV to keep your family moving. Like the seven-seat Ford Everest Trent rear-wheel drive for only $55,990 drive away. Plus, get up to three years free scheduled servicing until September 30. So move it and get to your participating Ford dealer now. Recommended price. T's and C's apply. See Ford.com.au for details. And go to the website, pioneerford.com.au, and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's better. That deserves some applause, Charlie. You got it. Yeah. Good job. Eventually. Yeah. Well, you always get there eventually, there's don't so you? There's so many rules, though. Oh, not, there's not really any rules. It's just how the, the radio background in me likes things to run. Anywho. Just for the listeners out there, she's got a whip. And she whipped me when I, when I do things wrong. <laughs> I do not. Such oh a God, tyrant. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> We're at the beginning of an election. And, oh, sorry. Oh, that's right. The, uh, the election's happening. So nice segue, Charles. Look at you. God, anyone would think you've been doing broadcasting for 20 years. Um, and I uh, hear there's a few candidates, about 13. There is. There's uh, 13 candidates that have nominated... None from Robinvale, apart from your good self? No, we did chat to a lady uh, from Anangatang and hope, hoping that she may nominate. She hasn't, um, but that's okay. It's fine. All good. Um, but, yeah, there's 13 candidates, um, all except one of the current councillors have nominated. Uh, Lee Johnson was the one that hasn't, um, and she did say that early on in the piece that she probably wouldn't because she's working in real estate now and finds the time commitment um, a challenge. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it does take a lot of time. There's a lot of reading. A lot of meetings. A lot of reading, well, a lot it's of only, meetings. It's only one meeting, council meeting a week, isn't it? Well, yeah, but then there's all the add-on things uh, like catching up with different departments about yeah. projects and community meetings. And oh, COVID's actually been – things are really quiet because you can do everything via Zoom now and – Let's hope that that continues. Speaking of which, we're about to go out. There's been an agency assigned to do the community consultation for the Robinvale Riverfront Master Plan. I don't know that I can actually talk about that now because we're in caretaker mode and I have to be really careful. So I'll let the media releases and things do that for me. But keep an eye out for that. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't know that I can talk about it. But, yeah, there's 13 candidates. Uh, nobody else from so Robin Vale. I noticed uh, you were the top of the ballot. I am too. the top of the ballot. Ian Young, she got a bit of a royal deal, didn't she? Oh, I know. And you know what? She's really taken it to heart, oh, poor Anne. I know. It's a ballot though, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it is a ballot. Yeah. Um, but what happens with people that are not engaged? Not as engaged with politics yeah, as you or I. One, two, three, yeah. four, five. And that's why being top of the ballot is such an advantage. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe my luck. I should have bought a Tats Lotto ticket mm. on well, no. Tuesday. You've, luck, you've had all your luck now. so. Oh, yeah, probably. I've never even won a meat tray. Really? No, never. You know, I've been entering Facebook competitions here, there, and yeah, on occasion. Does anyone ever win those? Well, if I'm running them, they certainly do. Oh. They'll certainly win the well, frog one. There was heaps of uh, stuff won on the, on the night. Yeah, do we want to talk about the resp? Um, live stream event that's going to happen or do we want to leave that till next week? Uh, we 
we can talk about it. Oh, actually, what about uh, the upcoming one? That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the upcoming one. Oh, I thought you were talking about the last one we had. No, no, no. We've debriefed on that. Done. That's been done. We've been there, done that. Yeah. Moving on to the next one. Yes, we can talk about that, I suppose. <laughs> um, well, saying that, <laughs> it's in the early stages of uh, what's going to happen. Of planning. Mm. Have you gonna, been? It's going to coincide with Mental Health Week. Yes. Which is in, I think, the second week of October. Yes. Correct. Is, well, that's a couple of weeks yet. Yeah. It's a few weeks away. Mm. But what we are going to do, and I don't know if you've seen the email trail from yesterday where I've been talking to Tess and Esther from um, RDHS about a – it'll be a live Q&A session. It'll be a lunchtime session um, with Billy and Anthony who are the mental health team here. You've got a date? Yep. Monday the 8th, I want to say. No. Couldn't be the 8th. No, because the 8th is Thursday. Monday the 5th. Right. Possibly. Could be Monday the 12th. (laughs) (laughs) Look, But but Mental Health Week is in a week after. On the 12th? Yeah. It's probably the 12th then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to check my emails. I'm not – we were talking about it yesterday, but we're going to do a Q&A session um, so people can write in beforehand and ask anonymous questions if they want to or they can call in on the day. Ooh, I know. Risky, risky. It is risky. But, um, you know, we don't have a producer either. To Actually, maybe we could get Grace. She wants to get involved in the podcast, so maybe yeah, she could be she our, our producer our to call. screen the phone calls. <laughs> yes. Sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, what topics will we be covering, do you know? Um, all sorts of topics. Oh. I think it'll just be literally a Q&A so people can ask any sort of question regarding... All um, topics, mental health people, just remember mental, that. Yeah, mental health. We're not going to be talking about Dan Andrews. Again, not a fish, not going to bite. And you can bait me as much as you want with those lovely donuts. Yeah. It's not going to work. Mm. Anywho, so yeah, uh, make sure you're enrolled to vote. In fact, I think enrolments have just about finished. In uh, Ballot packs start going out. Soon. 6th of October, they start rolling out. Um, Mildura have got, what did I say? I think they've got oh, like yeah, 19 candidates. Heaps, yeah. yeah. They've also got a bigger council. They've got nine vacancies up there. Yeah. So um, that'll be interesting. Hmm. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks, no doubt. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> Go to Pliny and fish this up. We need to talk to Noel. We need Thanks to get for listening on. to yeah. the Vale podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford, Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.